Hello. Hello. Who are you? I'm Alexandra. Where are you from, Alexandra? Uh, I'm from Poland, but I've been living in Barcelona for the last four years. And uh, here we are at a beautiful outdoor cafe in Barcelona. Just had a delicious burrito. Thank you for that recommendation. And uh, why are we meeting here? How did we end up hanging out together? Oh, you don't remember. That's a short memory, <laughs> but yeah, okay. <laughs> Please help me. I, I have no short-term memory. So yeah, this guy rose to me on couch surfing, and he said that he's, he's traveling and he would like to interview me for some reason. Some mysterious reason. Normally on couch surfing, people ask to be hosted, uh, and I wasn't asking to be hosted. And so this is sort of a different way that people use couch surfing, just to send messages to one another. And not always. Sometimes people are not asking to be hosted. They just want you to show them around the city and explain a little bit. But it seems that you know already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you done that? Have you have you been the free tour guide to someone who comes to Barcelona? Yeah, a couple of times. Yes, yes, yes. But what do you get out of that? Like, what's in it for you? Oh, what's there for me? It's yeah, it's a way of meeting people. And then again. I was using couch surfing a lot, so if I cannot host people, at least I can help in another way, so it's still fine. And then again, if that person comes from a place that I would like to visit in the future, also I can... Nice, <laughs> I, I can see where you're going with this. You send them a message, be like, remember me, Alexandra from Barcelona, I gave you the tour. I need Five to stay, years ago, I yes. need to stay with you for a week <laughs> in Copenhagen or whatever expensive city you're living in. Zurich, yeah. Zurich, that's a great place to couch surf. Um, so what I saw in your profile that I found intriguing enough to send you a random message was that you had have done long hitchhiking trips across interesting parts of the world. Um, sounds like you did two big trips. What, what were those? One was in 2010 from Poland to Syria and Jordan. It was two months, basically constant hitchhiking and couch surfing as well. And more recent one was in 2018. It was all Central America, from Mexico to Colombia. Uh, it was done mostly by land, apart from one part when there is not even a road constructed and there is uh, a jungle and... The, the Darien yeah, Gap. Yes, exactly yeah. this one. So yeah, it wasn't possible to continue. Yeah, but basically it was on land. And that was hitchhiking also. Mm, some part was hitchhiking, some part was local transport, but yes, it included a lot of hitchhiking, yes. And that was six months? Six months, yes. Okay, so is that the biggest trip you've ever done? Yes, up till now, yes. And yeah. I think six months is enough for me, so... <laughs> yeah. As we were previously discussing, you're <laughs> yes. like, after six months, you're ready to stop traveling for a while. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And here you are, you've been in Barcelona for four years, so you stopped traveling for a while. There was also a pandemic. Yes, that was main reason. I would say I wasn't planning to stay maybe four years without bigger trips, but yeah, higher force, I would say. I cannot this do is anything. A, a pretty good place to have to stay put if you have to. Yes, I'm not one. complaining. Also, yeah. in Spain, also you can do a lot of things, especially in Barcelona. You have mountains, you have Pirineos, and yeah, the sea as well. So quite a good place. We are not far from the sea right now, and it's a, a lovely day. Just nothing wrong with this day. Um, okay, so let's talk about these these trips you went on. Um, the first trip that started in Poland and went to the, the Middle East. How old were you when you started that trip? 
2010, so I was 21. 21. And did you do this alone or with a friend or what? Uh, not alone, but also not with a friend. I was just looking for a person who would like to travel with me. I didn't know anyone who would do this. But I have a friend and she said that, you know, long time ago I was at school with one guy and he studies Arabic linguistics, so maybe he could be interested. And yeah, she just gave him my number, explained my idea, and I was sure that the guy will not contact me because he never traveled before and he wasn't really the adventurous guy. But yeah, he contacted me and we just met once. We arranged a plan more or less and yeah, we went. So yeah. <laughs> okay, so you went with a friend of a friend who yes. spoke Arabic. Um, basic Arabic, yes. We could okay. communicate, but it was super useful anyway. Yeah. Yes. But more Arabic than you spoke. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, and he hadn't really traveled, and he said, "Yeah, I'll go hitchhike for two months with you." Yes, exactly. Like <laughs> when we were <laughs> we were trying to stop the first car, the first truck on the petrol station, he was a bit shocked, and he wasn't he wasn't really convinced that that could possibly work, but. Yeah, after a while, yeah, everything worked fine. We crossed all Europe, then we arrived to Turkey, then Syria, and yeah, then we started really traveling in a slower manner, let's say. Okay. In these two months, uh, how often did you feel stranded? Like you were not able to, to find a ride when you wanted to find a ride. How successful were you with hitchhiking? In the Middle East? Oof. It's oh, super no, with, easy. With Europe, with Europe also, for the, for the whole trip. In Europe it was not super difficult, but we always found. We, we never had to resign from it. Sometimes we had to wait a few hours, but usually we were really lucky. Even at night, sometimes we were able to find a truck driver who would stop. And um, like... In the track, there are two beds, like so. Yeah. The driver is driving, and there is space to sleep very comfortably. So we could save time and yeah, have kind of comfortable sleep while driving. What was your <laughs> strategy for for finding rides? Like, would you go? To, you said you went to a petrol station. Was that oh, yeah, one because of your? We usually ask to stop and the nearest petrol station, yeah. not to leave the highway. Yes, because if okay. it's like long distance trip you would like to be on the fast yes. uh, routes yes yeah. basically to yeah not to waste time yes Th this is one strategy yes if you want to visit places you just go to small towns and wherever they bring you or it's a bit different way of traveling but if you want to just go from point a to point b you just go to the highway and stop on the petrol station but again you said if we had any problems in the middle east in the middle east there is never a problem we just go there and sometimes we had situation that two cars or three cars even stopped and they were convincing us that we should go with them not with the other like, car like they were fighting over you yes 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 <laughs> and the standard option was also that they were giving us a right and then they were inviting us to stay with their family overnight because for them it's also kind of attraction something new because if somebody lives in a really small town they are not really used to have visitors so for them and for their family it was everybody was curious we were curious about them they were curious about us and yeah they are really hospitable so they would give you a ride they would give you a place to stay they would feed you and they would talk with you and ask you questions Yes, some of them spoke English, some of them 
didn't, but then again, the ski language skills of my friends uh, came in handy in this okay. situation. So, so it was very helpful to have a friend who yes, spoke basic yes. Arabic. I mean, after a while, I learned also. <laughs> Can you still speak any Arabic? A bit, yes. Can you say something in Arabic right now? Uh, Anna Alexandra, Anna Menbulanda. <laughs> I know a lot of numbers to negotiate, but I will not. Uh, <laughs> I will not count. pay more than three hundred. <laughs> um, oh, and I know different words for shisha flavors. This is kind of useful because <laughs> that's a big part of the culture. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there anything that was difficult for you to adjust to on this trip, or maybe once you left Europe, was there anything that that felt? Yeah, not not comfortable, and and it was it wasn't easy to to feel comfortable. Again, mm. you are probably expecting that I would say about the way of wearing clothes and stuff like this, but for me it was more like you already do the research. Yeah, when you go, you need to know what kind of culture it is. So the part of clothes, for example, wasn't that difficult. You just need to adjust and try to look as much as possible as a local person. Um, Maybe, yes, one thing that was difficult to adjust was that if you, as a woman, would like to ask for a direction or ask for anything, um, and you would like to talk with a man, they will look at you in a weird way that you shouldn't be doing this. In some traditional towns, it was like this. Then maybe they will not even pay attention or they will just directly respond to my friends. Not even, they will not look at me. That was irritating a bit, but yeah. But in terms of finding uh, comfortable and safe places to sleep, in terms of getting food, and, and ah, no, no. everything, it all, all the basics of life. Yes, but then again, we are talking about Syria before the war, 2010, and now That's it's a right. totally different place. That's so right. I wouldn't recommend anyone to go there now. <laughs> Agreed. Um, where else did you go in the Middle East? Uh, to Jordan, to when I was in Israel, in Palestine, Qatar, Emirates. And then I spent six months in Egypt, uh, but it wasn't just traveling, but I had some internship there. Okay. And you mentioned to me earlier that you were in Egypt during the, the, the revolutions that took it place It was there. just after revolution, yes. It was 2012. Yeah. So I was a few months in Alexandria. Um, that wasn't really related to anything <laughs> with revolution, but then I was in Cairo two months. I had internship in Polish embassy. And that part was super interesting because I was responsible. Um, I had to read a lot of international news related to Egypt and then send some kind of, of summary to um, Ministry of Foreign Affairs oh, of Poland. And the point was that I was really up to date with everything what was happening there. And then I was just going on the street and I could see, wow, this protest is happening right now. I know what this is all about. So, yeah, that was like a great experience. And it wasn't that dangerous at that time because it was after revolution and before the protest that came a few months after. So I was in the middle of the things, but still... So, so you say that now, now that history has already happened, but do you feel like you kind of got lucky with the timing? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I was talking to some friends, Egyptian friends, that took part in the revolution, and yes, I mm. think uh, They said I you were very lucky, lucky that uh, you yes. were here during those six months, <laughs> yes. not yes. earlier, not later. Okay. What are your parents uh, 
let's just talk about the Middle East trip. What did your parents think about, or, or other family members think about this this idea? And then when you were actually doing it, when you decided to stay in uh, in Egypt, mm -hmm. what did they say to you? I was kind of lucky because my parents, they also travel a lot in a bit different way, <laughs> obviously. But one year before I, I was in Syria, they had been there also in in more organized way, but they saw that Syria and Jordan were safe countries. So they didn't have all those stereotypes that Middle East is super dangerous area. I mean, as long as you do the correct thing and you don't attract too much attention, it's safe. Yes, so they didn't have anything against it. Maybe they weren't super convinced about hitchhiking there, but I mean... You're, you're 21, yes. what are they gonna do? <laughs> yes. What are they gonna do? Did you have other uh, serious travel experiences before this trip? No, no, no. Syria was my first like long travel before only Europe. So okay, okay, but maybe taking a train or or a plane to other parts of Europe, visiting cities. Uh, yes, yes, but it's yeah. not like super extreme thing. But maybe you are probably asking why I chose Syria, not Thailand well, I, or I, something I, like I, this. I'm actually curious how you got the confidence to do something that I, I think to to many 21 year olds would sound very intimidating, which is to mm. to hitchhike and to, to travel to the Middle East, even if you have a friend who speaks some Arabic. Like that's that's not traditional travel. You, there's not much, there's not many assumptions of, of safety or assumptions of success with that <laughs> mode of travel. Um, um, wait, <laughs> I need to think what to say. Um, before I was doing a lot of hitchhiking also in Spain actually because I had Erasmus in Valencia in 2010 just before this trip so I started hitchhiking with one girl who did she did Syria before also and we traveled from Valencia then Andalusia then we reached Portugal and it was maybe two weeks two, two weeks of the trip we were actually considering to go to Morocco as well, but at that point I didn't feel confident because it would mean, it was my first longer hitchhiking trip and it would mean sep separate uh, on the ferry and go alone with some drivers. I mean, I wasn't really ready for this kind of thing, but then again, I already had some kind of hitchhiking experience. I knew how it worked and my idea was like this, to go to Syria, we should cross Europe at first and then if something goes wrong, we still can, we always can go back because we, we can go there by land. And it's actually the first exotic country that you can reach by land. So it was kind of natural choice, I would say. Okay, so you had experience doing something similar, but in a, in a more familiar environment in yes. Spain. And then also you knew that if something went wrong, you could always leave. Yes, you and you don't need back. a plane, you can just... Yeah. In the worst case scenario, you can just take a lot of local buses and just go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Great, great. Okay. So where did the idea for uh, hitchhiking across Central America come from? Um, I was actually planning on doing trip in Asia, but um, so I was looking for a person who would do it with me because I was planning to do one year. Uh, back then I was living in Malta, 
And then I met my boyfriend, no, now ex-boyfriend, <laughs> and he actually first started uh, talking about this, that he had really similar plans. And I was thinking, okay, so we had really similar plans about traveling, about the destinations, we weren't so sure. But then again, I was thinking, okay, I was already in Asia in a few countries. I have never been in Latin America. So yeah, why not? We could do this. And also I spoke Spanish already. So it seemed like a natural choice also. Uh, Central America was a natural choice. My first idea was to start from Argentina, Chile, Peru and finish in Colombia. But then again, we had to calculate our budget and then we realized that Central America would be a bit cheaper. And then again, not many people go there. Like everyone who goes to South America goes to Peru, Colombia, Bolivia, sometimes Argentina, but nobody goes to Guatemala or El Salvador. So it also had this kind of Exoticness. Yes. It's a bit of the beaten path, so... But I must say that I wasn't super confident about this. <laughs> because when you read the news from this part of the world, you only read the bad news, basically. Because this is 2018. 2018, but still, like, even now, if you read anything, the first thing that would appear will be some, some attacks, armed robberies, uh, all drug-related. Drug dealers, gangs. yes, gangs, everything. So basically, it's not probably the first choice of people who would like to travel uh, hitchhiking. <laughs> and so we had this kind of plan that, okay, before entering a country, we always considered that we will just enter and probably leave really quickly if something goes wrong. But nothing went wrong. Only in Honduras, maybe we didn't feel super safe. But then again, it was safer to hitchhike in Honduras than to take a bus because we would have to go to the capital city. There are two, two cities that are considered the most dangerous in the world. One is San Pedro de Sula and another Tegucigalpa. And the idea is that if you take a taxi in one of those cities, you need to know which taxi you have to take because um, Maybe it's not a real taxi and you could have problems. <laughs> so we decided maybe let's not go to any of the bigger cities to find a bus station. Let's just hitchhike in small towns. And that's what we did and everything was fine. Um, just one time we had, because there was one island, it's called Utila in the north of Honduras. We went there for diving. We stayed there, we stayed there seven days. Uh, he wanted to stay one more day. I said, no, seven days is enough. Then we went, we took a ferry to a place called La Ceiba, and then we continue our travel. One day later, we heard on the radio that one day later in this town, La Ceiba, there was some shooting in the center of this town. So we potentially, if we had stayed one day longer on this island, we could have been there. And after hearing this particular news, like we decided maybe it's good to continue to another country <laughs> to move along quickly yes <laughs> okay that's that's an interesting strategy of using hitchhiking to avoid large dangerous cities yes because in towns you don't see that much concentration of people and like if somebody wants to rob you they will not probably go to the village with no one there yeah yeah, yeah. there's not tourists there yeah yes and were these uh, the people living in the smaller towns were they very friendly and they would say, would they kind of understand what, what you're doing, that you're trying to avoid the, the larger cities, you're trying to take a safe route? Um, mm. did, did they even ask questions? Did they just give you rides and, and no questions asked? 
they were surprised <laughs> sometimes. Um, yeah, they were surprised what are we doing there because we were we stopped in some places that no one from the outside goes. So yes, they were helpful, but they were surprised. Yeah. They asked a lot of questions. But but being so far off the beaten path, it sounds like this only worked to your advantage. Were there disadvantages to to staying away from the main routes? Mm. Yes, because sometimes there were roads without too much traffic. Mm. And sometimes, yes, we had to wait a few hours. Uh, but usually when a car was passing, they were stopping. At least they were asking or giving us some advice that maybe we shouldn't go here and there. But almost every car that was passing by was trying to help us in some way. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's a really good success rate for hitchhiking. Yes, but then again, I don't really recommend you to hitchhike in Honduras. It's not. <laughs> that was... Nothing happened, but maybe that country wasn't that safe, yeah. let's say. How did you get across the Darien Gap? Uh, that's the only place where we didn't uh, travel by land, because that area is quite dangerous. There is not, the road is not constructed. Uh, There's like gangs and thieves Gangs, drug dealers and anacondas and uh, yes, <laughs> a, lot <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of problems. So some people do this, but they're like super experienced with a lot of survival skills and they take into account a lot of risks so um, not, not what recommended you were looking for. <laughs> yeah. if you want to make a TV show maybe you should go there but yeah for normal people so did you take a boat did you fly no we took a flight okay to yeah to Colombia yeah and is that where the trip ended yes got it got it um, so what do you th like? How do you think you're different now after going on these two big trips, um, from how you were before you went on either w one of these trips? Like, of, of course, I'm sure you're the same person, but like, what do you, what do you feel like you have a lot of confidence about now that that you didn't have when you were younger? Mm. Or maybe a different way to say it is, what did you worry about when you were age 20? That as okay. a traveler that you I don't worry about now? That question could be answered in two ways. Because when I started, before hitchhiking to Syria, okay, maybe I was a bit worried. Then I learned to trust people. That basically, you develop some kind of intuition that you know with whom you can go, with whom you cannot go. Okay, maybe it sounds super naive, but I'm still alive. And <laughs> I did a lot of traveling with people that I have n never met before. So I think it works somehow. But then again, when I look back, 10 years back, some of the things I wouldn't do probably. And you learn to trust people, but then again, you see that there is certain age for those certain crazy things in your life. Maybe if you are 40 or 50, you wouldn't like to hitchhike two months and um, take this kind of risk. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 this is good. This is good. Well, I feel like what you're describing with um, developing this intuition and this, you know, on one hand, you learned how to how to trust people. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, you remain skeptical. And I feel like what you're what that describes is the same way that uh, if you use Couchsurfing or another website like that, you kind of need to have this. Yes. This intuitive sense about people. And yes. is, is that similar? You know? Yes, it's kind of similar, but with couchsurfing it's a bit easier because you have system of references, you can see how long somebody has been 
a member of Couchsurfing and even the pictures, the places that the person visited, description, it says a lot. So with Couchsurfing, I would say it's still a bit safer. With hitchhiking, you have maybe five seconds. <laughs> but then again, if you are maybe a single girl traveling, you will not probably get into a car with three guys yeah. uh, because maybe yes. they are okay, but maybe not. But it yeah. also happened, and I mean, a few times. It was actually in Europe. I was traveling from Poland to Spain, and somebody left me in a petrol station in France. It was quite late at night, and I wouldn't like to stay there alone. So I talked with one guy. Um, he's, he, he gave this impression that, okay, I could trust him. Um, the problem was the language barrier because he was um, from some African country. He spoke French and some local language that I didn't know. And he said, yeah, he's going to, into my direction. So I said, okay, let's go. Then he told me, oh, but my brother is also going with us. I was, okay, yeah, okay, let's go. Then we were already in the car and they were talking uh, between each other about something. I just caught some words. And I just understood that they are trying to take some shortcut. And then they are saying something that we are friends. And I was super scared. And I was thinking that they will either rape me or kill me or both. <laughs> but then they just brought me to a train station. And they said like this, this train goes directly to Barcelona. Nobody will check your ticket. And we are worried about you. We can wait with you in front of this uh, wow. station. <laughs> and yeah, we want to be sure that uh, nothing will happen to you. We were going different direction, but we wanted to help you. And I was really shocked, relieved and shocked. And yes, I mean, this was the proof that sometimes you can trust people. But then again, like my emotions were changing. <laughs> yeah, in a few seconds, I was almost dead. And then I was, oh, I'm safe again. <laughs> and here you are still alive. I'm still alive. I'm surprised. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. We, if we leave it like that, it makes it sound like you just got lucky and that you were doing many risk, <laughs> risky things and you just got lucky. So now yeah, you're that's alive. Why, that's why I'm saying that when you are looking back at this kind of things, when you are adults, you wouldn't do some of these things because it just they don't seem re really reasonable, let's say. But, but if you if you went back to that age, 21, 25, whatever, would would you still make these same choices? Yes, I would. Probably I would, <laughs> because I have a lot of memories now, and it's, I cannot erase it, and all of them are good memories. So it's, it's good to have this kind of feeling that you had this kind of adventurous life, and nothing but happened, and still you can... Like, during studies, you don't really have a lot of money to travel, and um, traveling to another continent for two months without hitchhiking wouldn't be that easy, I would say. Financially. Hmm? Financially, it would not be Financially, yeah, yeah, I would yeah. say. So normally people would do, I don't know, two-week trips, maybe three weeks, but probably only in Europe. And and then again, even if going outside of Europe seems cheaper, it is actually cheaper, people also have this preconception that it's far travel, you probably need to buy plane ticket, and only plane ticket will cost you the same as three weeks in Europe. And it's not only like this. It's not like this, basically, but a lot of people think like this. So it's... You need to dare to... To go farther. Yeah. And then you can actually <laughs> have better experiences and save money. 
and travel for a longer period of time. Exactly, if yes. You, if you go far, if you go big. Exactly. <laughs> Cost optimization, basically. Yes. Cost optimization. Yes. Maybe you go slower, but then again, if you go slower, you visit small towns, some villages that you wouldn't hear of. And, for example, in one of those villages in Syria, I was invited for a wedding. That was actually a couchsurfing person who invited me, and he said, you know, guys, you can stay three days longer, because after three days, my cousin is getting married. So, wow. I mean, this kind of experience you wouldn't have during two weeks of organized trip, obviously, no? No, never. Yeah. Alexandra, thank you very much. Thank you.